invite you to remain standing as we read the gospel from Mark this morning. I'd also encourage you, although Lauren said to raise your expectations, I'd appreciate it if you now turn them down just a little bit. This is the gospel from Mark. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all of this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters with us too? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except he did lay his hands on a few sick people and he cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. But then Jesus went out about the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Jesus ordered the disciples to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to even put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake the dust that is on your feet off as a testimony against them. So the disciples went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus and the disciples who followed him were surely afraid. For then, as now, the land of Palestine was under violent occupation. Ever on the move, the gospel ministry of hope and healing was brought through towns, over hills, and in valleys all throughout the land, many of them beside the waters of the Sea of Galilee, which John tells us elsewhere is also known as the Sea of Tiberias. Mark tells us who this man Jesus was. Jesus, the lowly woodworker, the son of Mary, sibling to many of varied reputation, suspect reputation, even not unlike some of us in this room. He was cousin to John the Baptist who prepared his way with locusts and honey. And Jesus was rejected. Many who heard him and witnessed what he and his followers were doing, well, they took offense at him. So we have here in Mark an idea of who this man Jesus was, and we find that Jesus does in fact equip those who wish to follow him. He sent those first disciples out two by two, and they were equipped not with material wealth, take nothing but a staff, but they were equipped with authority to bring hope to the afflicted. Jesus warned the disciples, he did, as I am rejected, you will be rejected too. He told them to dust their feet off, where any place did not offer them welcome as a testimony for others, so that others would know what kind of people were there. Jesus, the lowly and the rejected, equipping his disciples not with material wealth but with spiritual authority. 
He told his disciples not all would welcome them, and he told them what to do after that. What is the good news, then, for us here in Mark? Well, I have been wondering all week what Mark can tell us after Elizabeth, one of our young folks, asked me what I thought about hell. Elizabeth's word-for-word question was, is hell real? So I've been thinking about hell and Jesus and the 4th of July, and I don't know about you, but that's a bit overwhelming, I think. I should say, too, that one of our choir members looked at the bulletin and asked, are we really having a 4th of July sermon? Sort of, you know. But on the subject of hell, I know hell is real because homelessness is hell. Addiction and relapse are hell. War is hell. Poverty is hell. Sickness is hell and so much else. And these things are not from God. And so even though I'm reminded that hell is real, I have to remember that the gospel of Mark does not leave me to face it alone. I have to be clear that I believe in eternity. There is a great welcome for us all, but I also believe that in the meantime, God always chooses the side of the oppressed. And Jesus teaches us this. The Jesus we find here in Mark is Jesus the rejected, the one who comes alongside those of suspect reputation, alongside the marginalized. And so I look at the news this week, I see that a serial abuser was set free. A reminder that as a man in America, you can be an abuser and be president, or on the Supreme Court. You can be a man in America and anything but held accountable. And Mark reminds us that Jesus, the rejected, is always on the side of the abused. I have to tell you that Britney Spears has been in my life from the beginning. And I don't often think about Britney Spears, but she was in the news this week too. And Britney Spears was in the news because she is a victim of a conservatorship where her father controls her body, her freedom, and her humanity is degraded because of a deeply unjust system. And so we find in America, as there are so many whose bodies and freedom and humanity are degraded, who don't have celebrity and public support, Jesus the rejected is on Brittany's side and on the side of all those legally dehumanized because of their illness or disability. Shikari Richardson, you may have heard of. Shikari is a 21-year-old black woman and one of the best track athletes on earth. She's amazing. And she has been suspended from Olympic qualifying because she used weed to medicate during a time of immense stress and grief. She lost her mother, who died this past year as she was working to achieve her Olympic dreams. Now, first of all, I have to say, we have allowed weed in this country to be the only affordable health care many have access to. But more than that, I have to say that Shikari should not have to justify herself. She shouldn't have to publicly share her grief and her private burdens just to receive our grace and love. Jesus the Rejected is on Shikari's side, and on the side of all those whose struggles are criminalized when they really should receive grace and compassion. If you read the Courier Journal, you saw that Robert and Kelsey, two of our church members here, shared their story 
of living the devastating experience of a pregnancy that was incompatible with life for the fetus. And so they made one of life's most difficult choices and sought an abortion at the only clinic in Kentucky. And amidst their grief and sadness, as they walked into the clinic, they were hatefully harassed as they walked to receive care. And so I have to tell you, on the way into the only abortion clinic in Kentucky, there are sides. And Jesus, the rejected, always chooses the side of the women seeking care and those who love them, always. So this 4th of July, we then come to the difficult question of how do we know God is on our side? And there's a lot of different answers and a lot of different 4th of July sermons. This is not those. But the question remains, how will we know Well, Jesus tells us that all of us deserve welcome, not that we deserve to merely have space in the back of the room, not that we merely deserve to be tolerated. Jesus does not tell us we deserve to have our personhood debated. Jesus tells us we should find welcome, true welcome. And where we are not welcome, Jesus tells us to dust our feet off and find somewhere that will welcome us. So with this encouragement for the disciples, which is an encouragement for us, Mark throws in a call to repent. And repentance, I think, calls us to let go of fear, to let ourselves receive help, to admit we can't do it alone, to let go of our privilege, to join alongside those who are struggling for liberation. Repentance for me means joining alongside those laboring for liberation and grace and peace in a country like this where things are not yet as they should be. If you are a student of history, you might know the name Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass once asked in a famous speech, what to the slave is the 4th of July? And he was asking Americans to consider what it means to celebrate freedom when so many are not free. His question still matters today, and with very little historical adjustment, it's relevant to us. What to those who are not free is the 4th of July? to those who are incarcerated, to those who are homeless, to those who are still sick and suffering, to those who are grieving. What is the 4th of July to them? Dr. James Dunn was a mentor of mine. He was a Baptist titan, chair of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, a pastor and scholar, and he liked to talk about freedom. And Dr. Dunn was fond of saying that freedom means we are responsible because we are response-able. We are able to respond. And so as Christians, we remember that Jesus, this weekend, offers us a way to use our freedom, a way to use our freedom for hope and for healing and for liberation for all. And Jesus tells us that wherever there is a pastor who tells you you are not welcome because you are an addict, dust off your feet and go. Leave that place. Wherever there is a pastor or a family or a workplace that tells you, you are not welcome because you are gay, you are not welcome because you are trans, Jesus says, dust off your feet and go. Leave that place. Wherever there is a pastor or a community that tells you with their actions that you are not welcome because you are a woman, because you are not white, dust your feet off and go. Be humble, but love yourself like God already loves you. I don't have to tell you all that community is often found outside of church. 
It's found in rooms of recovery, around dinner tables, break rooms, gyms and parks through service together, and many more places. But still, among the Baptists and among Christians throughout our country, there remain those who live as if Jesus, the lowly carpenter, the son of Mary, calls us into liberation and love and freedom and generous welcome and grace. So may we seek to be such Baptists and such Christians, to use our freedom in this way, people of welcome and grace. Amen.